We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now, he's right there. That's Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And before we dive into the 49ers being the best team in football, we are going to talk about our friends over at Lamb Chops. It's our favorite clothing brand. It's the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. You can visit their website, sglambchops.com. Chris got the shirt on right now. It is your most important shirt because it looks dope. And we all know how important <laughs> and vital that is to a day. sglambchops.com is the website. You can use promo code Candlestick20 there for 20% off your order. Follow them on Instagram to stay up to date on all their latest styles at uh, in, uh, just sglambchops on Instagram. And I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have anything else here. You talk now. <laughs> uh, glad, glad to see you're you're coming in hot off of vacation. Um, no, so Lamb Shops is great. Obviously, wearing the shirt right now. Was doing some uh, some on the spot reporting in the Sacramento, uh, or I guess the foothills surrounding Sacramento. A nice, crisp, cool autumn afternoon. Love and uh, and the lamb chop shirt was absolutely perfect, and the hoodie actually. And I wore a lamb chops hoodie to the uh, to the Niners game on on Sunday night, which we'll obviously talk about. Um, but again, like looking dope, super important, and that's what lamb chops helps you do. SGLambchops.com is the website. Candlestick twenty for twenty percent off your order. That's a promo code. Use it today. Join the herd. We are also sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. Cooperagebrewing.com. That's the website. Get your Candlestick Chronicles. Hazy IPA. It's Get so good. Some Keg Slayer. Get whatever you want. Just order a case of beer. They ship it to you. If in the state of California, for 21 and over, they'll deliver a case of beer directly to your front door. You don't have to leave your house to acquire beer, man. I don't know what else. Like that, That's at Cooperagebrewing.com. You can get Mellow Sunshine Weed Ale with apricots or apricots. Uh, you can get seltzers. I got strawberry, watermelon, and mint sparkle pants. If you're into that, you can get. You're going to get wet, hazy, pale four pack. You're going to get wet. That's a shout out to the defunct Windsor Waterworks. If you know, you know. Um, Sucker repellent, juicy IPA, diamond puddles, hazy IPA, moment of truth four pack. That's a really good one. Cultivating mass, the 2018 World Cup gold medal imperial stout. Mm. Obviously, the Candlestick Chronicles hazy IPA. I think without a doubt the coolest the coolest just can in beer, particularly if you're if you're a 49ers fan. Um Trimco all hazed up four pack, hazy IPA, Simcoe with and Citra. 
I mean, it's it, it, it's so good, man. So um, just cannot cannot recommend it enough. Uh, shout out to our friends at Cooperage. Shout out to Tyler. Shout out to Charlie. Shout out to Cal. Um, we appreciate them and going going strong on year three, working with Cooperage and producing the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy. It's been amazing and uh, and a great partnership for us. I love opening my fridge and just seeing a fresh, just 18 candle crowns in there. It's like, yes, it's great. They're so, so pretty. I, I just like, don't even want to drink them. I know I have, I but have I these back them. here, by the way, on the stream here, mm-hmm. these candlestick chronicles that you can see, those are the OG batch. Yeah. I've I think saved I have those some too. from, from the OG original first run of candlestick chronicles. So you can shout see out to Cooper's, Cooper's right, Brewing. Right there. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Cooper'sBrewing.com. <laughs> Get yours today. All right. The 49ers kicked the shit out of the Cowboys. And we're going to not do a like game breakdown. We're just going to kind of look bigger picture at what this means for the 49ers. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Not like in life, but just when it comes to sports, I'm I'm a pretty pessimistic. I don't not pessimistic, like skeptic. When a team is good, I really need to see it before I'm just going to crown a team as as good. Mm-hmm. And I even even the Warriors, like that one of the best basketball teams collections of talent of all time. And in the middle of the 2017 season, I'd be like, I just don't know how they're going to win it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do this. But what the 49ers did to the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football showed me that there's not really a question right now about who the best team in the NFL is. At least through week five. No. Again, I... Things can change. But th- the sample of games we have right now, it's the 49ers and then everybody else. When you talk about the 49ers versus the rest of the league in this conversation of power rankings or, you know, top teams, whatever it may be, it previous in, in previous years, it was always like, yeah, but the quarterback situation, right? 100%. And you could obviously make the case that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough to hang with some of the elite quarterbacks in the league. And that was evident by how it played out. That was evident by the way. Kyle Shanahan viewed his quarterback situation when Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter. Um, But I think we're at a point and we'll talk about Brock Purdy, but we're at a point now where you look at the, where you look at the, the rest of the roster and you say, yeah, this 49ers team, arguably best roster in the league and is certainly playing at the highest level in the league roster wise. Mm -hmm. But then the quarterback situation, you look at it and say, no matter how you want to slice it, no matter where you view Brock Purdy in the tiers of quarterbacks and whether or not he needs elite weapons to be successful or whether or not he needs Kyle Shanahan and his system to be successful, the production the 49ers are getting from their quarterback position is as good as anybody in the league. And that's true whether you're just watching with the eye test. That's true whether you're diving into numbers. 
and just overall production and the way the quarterback is contributing to winning, the 49ers are getting that in spades from the quarterback position in a way that they never have since Kyle Shanahan has been head coach starting in 2017. I think that's unequivocal. Now, we can talk about Brock Purdy. It's not even close. Right. We can talk about Brock Purdy and, you know, is he a top 10 guy? Is he an MVP candidate? Like all of that to me is just like relatively immaterial and just something that, I mean, we do do a podcast, so we will talk about it. But whether or not that actually matters, like I just look at the production, right? Just just mm-hmm. look at what the offense is doing. Look how unstoppable the 49ers were against a defense that we thought was one of the best in the league and still might be one of the best in the league. 49ers hung 42 on them. Right. Right. And Brock Purdy had four touchdown passes. And didn't and not and and the thing that was incredible to me and the and the reason that I think that I think Sunday night like mattered so much is because it wasn't 42 where there was a defensive touchdown and there was a turnover at the one and it got it got it was just kind of a very thorough 42. Yeah, and just like the superlatives, right? They've won 15 straight regular season games. That's 15. I don't think that's I don't think that's quite discussed as much as it should be 15 if, games in a row they can win if they Go win ahead. their next two set they're 17 and 0 in their last 17 games a full regular season undefeated they have not lost since they lost to the chiefs at home in christian mccaffrey's first game yeah christian mccaffrey That's consecutive insane. games with a td and this is uh including playoffs this is from nick wagner um, 14, he just went through all, all the crazy, all the crazy stats. So 14 consecutive games with the, with the touchdown for Christian McCaffrey, uh, franchise record tied third, all time consecutive games with at least 30 points. They're at eight. That's a franchise record. Fifth all can time. I, I was going to say, can I put a pin in that one for a second? Yeah. <laughs> the Peyton Manning Broncos that scored a million points in the 2013 season. They did it nine times in a row. That was their longest streak of 30-plus points. And the 49ers have done that eight. That's, like, wrap your head around. They're, they're playing at a level beyond anything they've played at under Kyle Shanahan. And it's not even, it's like I said earlier, it's not close. Anyways, continue. So it's, you know, we're, we're, and we talk about, like, franchise records. The 49ers are a historic franchise in the the history of the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. The eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. it was dynastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I don't think there's any, there, there's a case for another team to be considered the best team in the league right now. And whether or not that means the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl, obviously that's why we play the season and we will get all the information we need from the season playing out. Sure. But right. Just being at the game, like I had a few takeaways. I, I went to the game. It was my first game this year. And like talking to some guys in the locker room afterwards, um, you know, I think I've, I've harped on some of this stuff before and, and just sort of like the experience factor and how much that shapes them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the last time they were 5-0 was 2019, mm-hmm. right? That was, With 2019, it was all new like contending for that group of players was all new. It was the first time they had the deep playoff run. Um, and they were just sort of riding a rocket ship. They were a buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, covering the team back then, it was, 
you know, everyone was having a lot of fun and you know, taking it one week at a time, et cetera, et cetera. But that team didn't have scars. That team, that team hadn't gone through anything. Mm-hmm. You fast forward to 2023, four years later, you have the Super Bowl run. You have 2020, which was just an outright disaster on yeah. many fronts, obviously outside of football included. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 2021, they start out slowly make an unlikely playoff run, have to play road games against Dallas and Green Bay. And uh, obviously the Rams losing the NFC championship game last year. They have a better season, particularly in the second half after Brock Purdy becomes a starter. They play two home playoff games and then have to go to Philly to play the NFC championship game. Obviously we knew how that went. Mm -hmm. You talk to the guys in the locker room and what they'll tell you is that like they're scarred. And they understand the urgency that they have. And mm-hmm. one thing, one, one thing that I heard from multiple guys was like, we, we are nowhere near where we, where we want or need to be. Like, obviously this is a great win. Obviously it was the 49ers planting their flag on Sunday night football in front of a national television audience against another premier team in the league saying, Hey, we're here. You know, obviously you guys knew we were here, but we're, we're like really here, mm-hmm. but it was, there's a, there's a lot of perspective with these guys. It's not like they, they just have so much experience now with all these, everything they've gone through the last four years mm-hmm. that like they, they are in a place where they're completely not satisfied with being considered the best team in the league. in you know, the second week of October, Mm-hmm. Everything they're doing is building towards peaking in December and January. And I think and potentially February. And that's that's unique. Like I've covered this team since 2013. There were a lot of different versions of contending teams and terrible teams. And to experience everything that they've gone through and to have the perspective to not rest on their laurels after beating the Cowboys in the most lopsided game in in the history of the rivalry. That's crazy. It's crazy. Like it's, they, they are, they are to me like just when it, when it comes to mindset mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they're not satisfied and they know they still have a lot of work to do and they, they feel like they're leaving plays out on the field still like there's, there's a, there's a confidence about them that allows them to play at this level that they're playing at and practice this week um you know was what was a thing post game that guys were talking about how well they practice and how locked in they were at practice all mm-hmm. week knowing what was at stake mm-hmm. but it's just like i i don't know i have more i have more belief in this team based on like the the way they play and and the way you hear them articulate sort of their mindset than i ever have since i started covering the team and you can see it that that's not just talk either because we talked about this after week one. They looked so locked in against Pittsburgh. Right. And then they've looked that way every game since. There's not been any point this year where you've thought, oh man, the Niners lost focus. Or, oh man, they they just threw their helmets on the field and thought they'd win today. And you've seen that in the past where, okay, maybe they sneak out. The One of the games that sticks out to me, you remember the Cardinals game in at Levi Stadium? in 2019 where they got down like 16, nothing and Garoppolo threw a couple interceptions and Richie James had the 
big screen that kind of kickstarted them and they had the game winning yeah. touchdown pass to Jeff Wilson. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of like a, okay, they won, but I mean, oof, it was ugly. <laughs> yeah. That they has played it, with their food just, a little bit. Right. It's just been kind of a methodical beatdown week after week. And the fact that they went in and did that against Dallas is, like I said, to me, that that's the point now where you can't just go, okay, well, the Giants stink and the Rams are the best team they've played and the Rams may or may not be any good and the Steelers offense stinks and all that. Like, you can't do that now. And I think a lot of it goes back to what you're talking about is they understand, hey, there's a team across the country in Philly that's really good. And to to have the best chance to beat them, you're going to want that home game and you're going to want a first round bye. And that means winning every regular season game. Yeah. And I think, I think you kind of see that. I have a fun thing here. And this goes back to what you were talking about, gearing up to play their best football, because really that's what they've done the last couple of years. They've gotten off yeah. to these slow starts, the three and five in 2021, four and five last year, but then they play really well down the stretch and they make their way into the playoffs. So I've got this updated now. Kyle Shanahan in the month of September as a head coach is now 12 and 10. Which is actually pretty impressive. In the month of October, <laughs> the 49ers are now 13 and 16 under Kyle Shanahan. 11 and 16 in October coming into the year. But then in November, 11 and 9. December, 17 and 10. And then in January in the regular season, they're 4 and 1 and 6 and 2 in the playoffs. Like, this is a team that over the years has gotten better as the season's gone on. But now we're sitting here in week five. And remember, in, in 2019, this is different than that 5-0. and Because remember that 2019, they didn't look very good against Tampa Bay. It was Garoppolo coming off the ACL, and they needed the two pick sixes to beat Tampa Bay. They won that game by 14 on the strength of right. two pick sixes. Right. Well, Jimmy threw a pick six also. <laughs> right. And then they beat the Steelers by four, but they turned it over like five times in that game and just barely snuck by the Steelers. And then the last one what was their fifth one. Oh, the Rams. It was a 20 to seven game in LA, kind of a hard fought uh, win. So this is so much different than that, because like you said, that was a, oh, wow, look, this young team is all of a sudden really good. And they're just kind of beating everybody. This now feels more like, steps toward they're not looking past the the regular season but all of this is just the necessary work to do to get where they want and need to go i was talking with some of the writers um before the the postgame pressers last night about like comparing this to the 2019 team this team's way better and like flynn west in the chat says it too like he, he said he has more faith in this team winning the Super Bowl than he did about the 2019 team after their yep. 8-0 and it's not close. I would agree because you can go up and down the lineup really on either side of the ball and say, upgrade here, upgrade here, upgrade here, right? Like Trent Williams. And at quarterback. Is, and at quarterback, the the most important spot, right? No, Joe Christian Staley. Mc... There, will not, there will not be Joe Staley slander on this. This spot. is not slander, but Trent Williams is a better player than Joe Staley was. Okay. I mean, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, like, Debo Samuel's a better version of Debo Samuel. I would say Brandon Ayuk yeah. is better than Emmanuel Sanders was that year. It's not I think close. you could 
you, I think you could Sanders make a case really that that Jawan Jennings and Kendrick Bourne is a wash, and maybe make the case that Jennings is better because of what he provides in the run game. George sure. Kittle probably a not wash, as good right? of a dancer though. Definitely not as good of a dancer. A few people are. Um, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, I mean, offensive player of the year candidate, obviously MVP candidate yeah. potentially. Uh, better than Raheem Mostert at that point. Can... Um, but but Brock Purdy is playing Thank at you. at just such a higher level than Jimmy Garoppolo ever did, even in 2019, that, that, that really is what makes us feel like the best team the Niners have had even since 1994. And I think you can make a lot of parallels to the 94 team because the 94 team had all those scars from losing to the Cowboys in the playoffs and all that stuff that they dealt with and getting the monkey off their back and Steve young, not breaking through and living in the shadow of Joe Montana. You have Brock Purdy now, who doesn't have the same, you know, mental scars as as maybe some of the other mm-hmm. guys who went through 2019 and 2021 and 20 and he was a part of 2022, obviously. But like, this feels like the 20 there. This feels like the 1994 team to me, hmm. and I think there's there's a bit. I think I said this at the live event. I don't remember. I know I've said it to other people, but like the Christian McCaffrey edition feels like the offensive equivalent of getting Deion Sanders. Hmm. And like Dion that year, he was unreal. Like they, they got him and you just look at the highlights. He was completely absurd, like just yeah. completely absurd. It was insane that was... the 49ers as talented as they were added arguably, or I don't even know if it's arguable, the best corner of all time in his absolute physical prime. Mm-hmm. And that feels like what the 49ers have to... at running back in Christian McCaffrey right now. And adding him, and it's not obviously apples to apples because it wasn't a one-year free agent signing. But the idea that, okay, you're going to take the best player in the league at his position and fit him onto this loaded roster and just put him in a position to be the best version of himself. That That's, it 100% feels the same thing. feels the same way. And anytime you need that player to make a play, they're just kind of there. But that's part of what impressed me so much about the Cowboys game is the Cowboys made it very clear going in that they were just going to stop Christian McCaffrey and let anybody else beat them. They were going to swarm him, according to sources. Yeah, no, swarm, right, right. Swarm. Is that the acronym? The D'Amico Ryans thing? Yeah, swarm. D'Amico can coach his ass off, by the way. Shout out to the Texans. Anyways, so, so, OH, so... No, go blue. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... Where was I going? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, so on Sunday night, McCaffrey goes out and doesn't have a super productive game. He's fine, but 2.7 yards of carry and had like less than 30 yards receiving. So he was fine, and the Niners still figured out ways to manufacture plenty of offense. And that was what I think impressed me the most and why I'm now sitting here going, you know what? I don't have any more questions about Brock Purdy winning a Super Bowl. I don't either. Brad, Brad Spielberger, pro football focus tweeted this last night. PFF um, Brad. PFF Brad. Uh, Brock Purdy on throws between 10 and 20 yards downfield. 90.9 grade for PFF is fifth. That would probably be a pretty dark green i would think or is it blue i mean it'll be oh no that's be... definitely that's definitely like a it minimum seafoam green <laughs> okay 
Uh, 87.1 completion rate. Again, this is on throws 10 to 20 yards downfield. 87.1% completion rate. Uh, 90.3% adjusted, which is first in the NFL. 15.8 yards per attempt, first. 9.7% big-time throw rate, second. So, like, this idea that Brock Purdy is some check-down his... oh, check merchant, I mean, that, that's all been, that's all been, like, debunked i think if you're still if you're still right? saying that you're not watching yeah just watch more ball hey watch um, watch the tape but yeah i think that's that's the point here is like i get brock purdy is unlike all of the other star quarterbacks in the nfl physically he does not have that one physical trait that you look at and say wow patrick mahomes arm talent Wow, Lamar Jackson's athleticism. Wow, Josh Allen's like complete, complete physical skill mm-hmm. set. Uh, Justin Herbert's rocket arm to make any throw mm-hmm. on the field. Trevor Lawrence, same thing. Mm-hmm. What Brock Purdy does is process at an extremely high level, operate super efficiently, keep his base, tie it to his eyes, hit the right guys, throw with anticipation, works with like extreme precision knows where the hot route has to be on any given play where he's blitz. Mm-hmm. Like he plays the position at such a high level that that belies whatever physical constraints you want to put on him. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, he plays quarterback. Like I, the, the best quarterback you'd, you'd ever want would have all those physical traits who plays quarterback like Brock Purdy. Right. Right. <laughs> like, but And there's very plays... few guys who do both. But so there's this there's this thing and I'm not I'm not at all equating Brock Purdy to Joe Montana. And and I think we've hinted at this before. Right. But imagine like and I wasn't I wasn't part of the football punditry in the 80s. And I'm sure it was a lot different back then with the lack of social media. Mm-hmm. But like were people looking at Joe Montana and be like, ah, I don't know. He's got Bill Walsh and Jerry Rice. I just don't think he's that good. He's really being propped up. Like, were people doing that? I have no idea. I feel <laughs> I, like, so, no, because I feel like sports were so much more black and white then. Like, did you win or not? Nah? Well, right. So I don't know how many quarterback rankings there were in 1986. But that, but so again, I'm not, a, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's Joe Montana, but like Joe Montana had stellar circumstances also. He had the best receiver in right. history it, and the best offensive coach in history. And like in, as we look back on it now, and obviously Joe Montana won a bunch of Super Bowls, that speaks for mm-hmm. itself. But it wasn't like, oh, Joe Montana is just a guy who's getting propped up by his surroundings. It reminds me of Greg Maddox. Yeah, that's a, that, I, I Greg love that. Maddox, that's Greg Maddox, what, Hall of Fame pitcher, if, you don't, if you're not a baseball fan. Greg Maddox was awesome. There is a game called a Maddox, and it's like a complete game shutout with like under 90 pitches. And Greg Maddox did not throw it super hard. He didn't have super nasty breaking stuff, but he was pinpoint precision. He had a li- he had enough movement. You know, he like passable. He's a major league pitcher, just like Brock Purdy is an NFL quarterback. He had passable traits, but he understood the strike zone. He understood where he could stretch the strike zone. He understood hitters, and he was extremely effective despite the fact that he wasn't Randy Johnson throwing a hundred miles an hour. And he wasn't, you know, uh, Burt Blylevin with a sick breaking ball. It was just a, just a 
just run-of-the-mill pitcher who really, really understood how to play his position. And that, to me, is what Brock Purdy does. There are so many little things he does on throwing with anticipation, on the way he moves around the pocket and keeps his eyes upfield. That was something that, that Jimmy Garoppolo, frankly, was was never very good at. There's just all these little things that you go, oh, I get it now. Like, I understand how he just continues to move the football within the scope of this offense. And would he look this way in Pittsburgh? Don't know. Frankly, don't give a shit. Because he's not in Pittsburgh. So, right. in the scope of the 2023 season, Brock Purdy is plenty good enough to get the 49ers where they want to go. And I think people assume, too, that because the Niners have been so good at yards after the catch in recent years, that it's been just like, oh, he's got Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ike and George Kittle. Like, he's just benefiting so much from yards after the catch. And he is, to a certain extent. But he's not first in the league. He's not second. He's not third. He's not fourth. Like, Brock Purdy's sixth in the NFL in yards after the catch per completion. Right? So it's not... This isn't the 2019 Niners or even 2018 Niners mm. when George Kittle's just running away from everybody and setting yak records. Right. Like the yak bros aren't like the thing that's dominating the 49ers offense. Mm. It's actually the passing game. And Kyle Shanahan even said afterwards, like sometimes when Brock's playing like that, all you want to do is call passing plays. Kyle yeah. Shanahan, the guy who wants to run the ball more than anybody else. Hey, can I? He, he was like with Jimmy Garoppolo Brock, Brock's, <laughs> Brock's so dialed in that Kyle Shanahan is like, man, I'm really struggling to call running plays. Think about how crazy that is. Yeah. That's super crazy. <laughs> so, by the way, by the way, a 90.9 grade is more of a cerulean. I'm looking I have at no it idea what color that is. Is that blue? It's, just, it's a little bluer than seafoam green. Okay. Like, like turquoise almost. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my dad hopping in on the Dude. on the on the chat letting us know that he's going through it for us i i appreciate yeah, the hell out i have of not that. i have hey. not tuned into jimmy g versus, versus the packers tonight check the highlights can i there. can i you were you were reading off brock's uh his intermediate throws us 10 to 19 yards beyond the line of scrimmage 31 uh, 27 to 31 that's 87.1 percent 490 yards four touchdowns can i give you his deep passing numbers this year 20 plus yards down the field, seven of 12. That's 58.3%. 214 yards, three touchdowns, three big time throws, one turnover worthy play. An eight out of 27 yards. Average depth of target. Like they're pushing the ball down the field effectively enough. And I thought, I thought Dan Orlovsky on ESPN did a really, really good breakdown of this. And how the 49ers are forcing teams to cover horizontally. And they've always done that. But now Brock Purdy's ability to push the ball into that intermediate and deep area with accuracy is forcing teams to also defend vertically. And how the way the Niners are are lining up, they're lining up in these like compact formations, like between the hashes. And then by the time the play develops... You have like Brandon Ayuk deep down the field on this sideline, and you have Christian McCaffrey shallow down this sideline, and just how it basically forces the defense to defend areas of the field that they've never had to defend before. And when you can do that with the skill position players the 49ers have, you're just breaking defenses because defenses don't have rules to cover as much field as they have to cover. 
and I, that and then you have a quarterback who has such a deep understanding of the offense. And I just I maybe maybe they run up against Philly and Philly figures out a way to shut it down and there's a blueprint and the Niners have to you know turn the page and try something different. But for right now, I don't know what you do. I genuinely don't. I I, I don't. I want to talk about the point that, that Rory's making in the chat here too. Dan Orlovsky also said Mac Jones would be Brock Purdy if he was in San Francisco. There's been a lot of discussion, and I think there was some of this even before the season, like looking back at what Brock Purdy did last year, and people said, oh, the 49ers, when they when they were thinking about Mac Jones, this is sort of what they envisioned. Mm-hmm. And I know other people have made this point too, but I think it's really important for us to make it here. Because especially when like you you talk to players and and hear how how they view Brock Purdy like as a human, mm-hmm. Mac Jones would not be like the culture fit that Brock Purdy is. Like one of one of the most underrated things about Brock Purdy, even like he's underrated as a player with the way he's playing. Like people just refuse to believe that a guy drafted in the seventh round could be potentially one of the best quarterbacks in the league, or at least playing at one of the highest levels mm-hmm. in the league. But what Brock Purdy is is he's sort of turning into that perfect culture fit quarterback. That is super important, right? Like you can't, you, you cannot, if you're a franchise quarterback in the NFL, as good as you might be, you have to be somebody that everyone wants to play for. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to play with everyone that wants to go to battle with. Right. And Brock Purdy is a thousand percent that guy. And he has so much, like he has so much respect in the locker room for all that he's accomplished already and his mindset and his work ethic that like, you know, things are crumbling in new England. I think in large part because Mac Jones is the opposite. Not only is he not playing well, but he's not like a galvanizing force. There's no evidence that he's the guy, like you look at him like tripping dudes and like sack tapping guys and all that stuff. It's like, we don't see any of that mess from Brock Purdy and like everything he says, and this, not that this, you know, press conferences aren't, the end all be all but like everything he says is like oh this dude sounds like a franchise quarterback yeah he just sounds like a leader someone you go to work. anyway so i i think that's an important point because like if you're like oh this is what mac jones would look like it's like I, not behind the scenes it wouldn't <laughs> can i not to mention and i know some of this is a product of the offense and the weapons and stuff but mac jones adjusted completion rate on medium depth throws is 63.2. Brock Purdy's adjusted completion rate on D-Rose is 58.3. Like, he's completing passes 20-plus yards down the field at about the rate that that Mac Jones completes them on intermediate throws. Like he's just kind of better. And maybe that's a full function of the offense and the players around him and this and that, but I have a really hard time believing that, that that's the case. Also, an underrated thing about Brock Purdy, he's owned zero interceptions this year. Yeah, he's tried. He's definitely tried to throw a couple. But even even last night, it didn't feel like, you know, Sunday night, it didn't feel like there were really any opportunities for the Cowboys to, to make picks. He threw that yeah, hospital ball to Christian McCaffrey, but like, and, and the bad throw to Ronnie Bell. The second quarter was kind of rough, mm-hmm. but I mean, it got cleaned up quick and like, I know how people feel about quarter like passer rating and quarterback or QBR and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy leads the NFL in both by like a very comfortable percentage. Right, by a lot. That's a that's the other thing, and and this I think ties to what you're talking about with Mac Jones. 
but we've seen Purdy have bad quarters or a bad couple of series, but we've yet to really see him have a bad four quarters. It seems like they always figure it out or he always figures it out. And he never really wilts when he does almost throw an interception or he is getting blitzed on 33 of his 39 dropbacks or, you know, he gets a couple of throws batted down. Like he just never, you never feel like he's shaken by that. And I think there's something to that too. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not the guy's head, but there are quarterbacks who you see get into tight spots and you can see it affect their game. And we haven't really seen that with Purdy. And I think that matters. It never feels like his confidence wavers. Right? Like he can have a bad series or your point, a bad quarter, but it's never bled into a full game. It's never been like right. Dak Prescott after the first quarter. Toast. Like they, the Cowboys didn't have a first down in the first quarter. They didn't get their first first down until what, like 12 minutes left in the second mm-hmm. quarter. But it was clear, like body language wise, like Dak was like shook. Yep. And mm-hmm. Brock, even if he has a bad series or two, he just comes right back and just does his thing. It's the same offense. Yep. Um, just trust it. Hey, it's Kyle Madsen with Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And I'm here to talk to you about my new favorite thing about football season, and that's prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy Sports, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's easy, exciting, and that's my two favorite things to have in daily fantasy football. It's There's quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay. There's so many selections of players and stat types that make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And I know you're probably worried about like daily fantasy sports. Oh, there's pros and there's sharks and there's all these people that dedicate their lives to just winning a daily fantasy. Well, no, no, no. This is just you. You pick more than or less than on two to six players to create an entry. And those two to six players, you pick more than or less than on their stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in. It is so easy. And prize picks offers weekly promotions. that can lead to big payouts. It's like taco Tuesday, where every Tuesday prize picks discounts, select player projections up to 25%. That gives you even more value. And my very favorite part of all of this prize picks offers Apple pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So, Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. You can jump in and get Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle. Slam the more than and root like heck for those guys to go more than those projections. It's, I'm telling you. It's the very best way to consume football. So prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. How funny is it looking back at like training camp? And, and I mean, I mean, we talked about it too, like obviously Trey Lance and everything, but like this idea that we're at this point where we're talking about Brock Purdy in these glowing terms. And it was like, do we do we know, are we certain he's going to be the starter? Should we be holding Kyle Shanahan accountable for whiffing on Trey Lance and investing those first round picks? It's just yes. <laughs> I mean, let's hold Kyle Shanahan accountable for being the Super Bowl favorite after the season. Despite hold him accountable. No, but really though, like that's that that is probably the most crazy thing about this. Like we talk about the 49ers, we talk about this 49ers team in the same terms that we talk about the 1994 team, right? With how talented they are and how good they are. 
mm-hmm. and how good their quarterback play is. That's all happening despite them completely whiffing on the biggest trade in franchise history. Yeah. <laughs> they missed three first round picks in a guy who's the third string quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And they are still in this position. Like that's, that is mind blowing to me. The other, okay, here's another like really obvious thing that I just don't think we're like, it's a, a layer to the conversation that is known, but doesn't get discussed. Brock Purdy's only in his second year and coming off major elbow surgery. <laughs> Brock Purdy has 10 NFL starts in the regular, regular season. season. He has overall, I'm even going to give you the Dolphins game. He has 14 starts as a pro. That's, and he's had major elbow surgery recently. Yeah. In the That's, man. It's pretty impressive, um, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, can we move on and, and switch gears a little bit? It was good to see the Niners make George Kittle active last night. Really Put him cool. on the really, active really 46. Cool. Really happy for him. Really <laughs> for the happy first that he time. made it up for I the mean, game. He's one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. At least they could, you know, put him up and, and make him available against the Cowboys. So that was good can to it, see. Yeah, three three catches, <laughs> a, three, three catches, 67 yards, three, three touchdowns. Uh, can I nitpick, though? Yeah. Can you maybe catch some that aren't touchdowns. I don't right. know. Maybe help the team move the ball down the field a little bit. Don't just do all yep. the work. You know, once you're down there near the end zone. Right. Where are you when you need a third six deep in your own territory? Yeah. Like you throw it are to you there, seventh George? round. Are you seventh playing? round pick Juwan Jennings? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. So per sources, uh, George Kittle may or may not be aware of the bit. Um. He listens to the pot. He heard. I, I'm not saying he does or doesn't, but he's. Uh, I, I've been told that that he's he's aware of the bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good bit. I, so, how if you're if you're new here, um, we <laughs> we like to pretend we like to pretend that George Kittle doesn't play when he doesn't uh, when he doesn't you know play a prominent role in the passing game while fully understanding that he's like very critical to what they do in the running game and blocking and everything else. But I hope it, it is a really good bit time. to just be like, Oh, George played last night. Oh, three touchdowns. He finally yeah. played. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. 14 catches going into the year. No touchdowns. I haven't watched JTO Sullivan's breakdown that I assume is out there yet, but I'm oh, happy. Dude. I was, I was thinking about JTO in, uh, during the game last night. I was like, man, must be, <laughs> he must be over he was the fired moon up. to see his guy. Finally, gets he was, touchdowns. he was so fired up. Hey, if you're not, if you're not watching JTO Sullivan's breakdowns of really any quarterback, but specifically his stuff on Brock, it's really good. I thought the point he made on the misfire to Ayuk in the middle of the field, I think it was in the first quarter, where he tried to he tried to fit one into a tight window on like a second and fifteen, and he kind of threw it behind him. And O'Sullivan made the point that Ayuk does a weird like head fake before getting into his break. And that Purdy is throwing that ball with anticipation. And so by doing the head fake, it messed up the timing of the route. And that if he hadn't done that, the ball would have been where it needed to be. I thought that was really interesting. Like, that's just the kind of little stuff that as much tape as we grind, I just don't. (laughs) 
Not a thing I consider because I'm not an NFL quarterback. One thing I heard last night from a player that blew my mind was that they they don't love playing night games because during the day, Kyle Shanahan sits in his office watching football and will draw up plays based on what he sees during games and then send them to the assistant coaches. And sometimes they will occasionally make the game plan for that Hilarious. night's games. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> So is so that Kyle's, is that what happened with the with the George Kittle uh fleece so, reverse touchdown? No, that's that so Kyle Shanahan watched it and it like put it on his radar, but that was already in the game plan. That's been is in it, that's the one that, that Emmanuel Sanders threw for a touchdown, right? Similar play? No, they ran that when Christian McCaffrey had to play quarterback in the NFC championship game last year, but it didn't work. Mm, that's right, because he threw it to nobody. Yeah, he threw it to nobody, but so seeing Sam Laporta do it for the Lions sort of like reinserted it into Kyle, the forefront of Kyle Shanahan's mind. So I don't know that that play working in Detroit was the reason why they called it, but it certainly wasn't not the reason why they called it. Um, no, but it was. I just can't imagine like having that type of mind and having that much confidence in your team to be like, yeah, we don't this isn't in the playbook, but yeah, maybe we try this today or try this tonight in four hours when we kick off. That was, that was a wild uh, little nugget. I got my, that's absolutely incredible. My favorite thing about when a trick play works in the NFL, somebody like last night, this is how it goes every time, every time on the internet, somebody tweets a highlight and goes Kyle Shanahan in his bag. And then someone will quote tweet it with the lions version of that play earlier today and be like stolen from the lions. And then somebody else would be like stolen from the Steelers in 2020. And it's like stolen from the Kansas city chiefs in 2007. <laughs> and then it's just, it's, it's like, yeah, man, every team has the same plays. They all do the same shit. It's all, they all have the same stuff. <laughs> it's who's running it. Where are you lining up? How can you make it look a little bit different? But for the most part, it's all the same. Yeah. Nothing's new. It's a copycat league. I've heard. What? Um, another point. That? Another, yeah, no, I, I, I trademarked it. Nice. Um, another thing that was that was pretty mind blowing last night, and you mentioned this in in the group chat we have with our favorite cast member Nick Wagner, but mm -hmm. we, we all we all talked about it last night too. Micah Parsons was completely neutralized. He had one hurry. No pressures. It, no sacks. No hits. And even like, because go, going into this game. I had like Micah Parsons as like, if he dominates the game, like the Cowboys could win. Yeah. And do you remember that insane, like spin move he put on Mike McGlinchey in the playoff game last year? Boy, do I just completely like dominated the one that where rap. he tossed him with one hand. Yeah. I mean, I there were multiple plays where Micah Parsons last year just looked superhuman mm -hmm. and the Niners did so many different things to him that, he was basically neutralized and his head was spinning. And I have it on relatively good authority that he was like pretty frustrated in the third and fourth quarter, or at least before he exited the game in the fourth quarter. I have that on authority as well, because I could see his face on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I heard he was saying some stuff to some guys um, and wasn't, and, and was a little bit frustrated. Uh, but I mean, to think about, and you would see it. It would be Kyle Juszczyk on a crack block or a receiver on a crack block or just like letting him go unblocked and then 
you know, mm-hmm. basically getting ear hold by somebody legally, of course. Um, I, I thought that was one of the more remarkable schematic things I've seen Kyle Shanahan do. It was unbelievable. This is what Micah Parsons is doing this year. I'm going to read his, this is pressures and sacks from every week. Six pressures, one sack in week one. Week two, six pressures, two sacks. Week three, five pressures, one sack. <laughs> week four, week four, ten pressures. Week five, two pressures, no sacks. Three missed tackles. Michael Parsons missed three tackles last night. He had none on the season. I just sort of assumed, like, man, the right side of the offensive line is going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's like Colin McKivitt, Spencer Burford, don't love it for them. And it was just, he was like a non-factor. It was the way they threw the kitchen sink at blocking him without sacrificing the rest of their offensive game plan was pretty remarkable. It reminded me, different circumstances obviously, but that Rams game, I think it was week eight of 2020, when Garoppolo came back and he had the ankle injury and Daniel Brunskill was playing. And it was the game that Debo Samuel had like 150 receiving yards, but an average depth of target of like minus two yards. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, oh, they just designed a whole offensive game plan around stopping this guy. And they did that and it worked to perfection. That was crazy. Like the best defensive player in the league? Certainly the best, having the best year, I think. Just when yeah. you look at how often he rushes the passer and, and what his production is in those in those opportunities, yeah. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was pretty remarkable. I, I the, think... He's the kind of player that even when he has a bad game, he still like has a sack or has an amazing play where you go, well, man, he's going to get you once. He just never did that. Yeah, man, I... I don't know what else there really is to say. I think the 49ers, this is the best, quite easily the best they've been under Kyle Shanahan, the most talented they've been, and this is the best quarterback play they've had. And I don't think it's close. And I think, I said it early on in the year, I think people are going to realize like Brock's actually playing at a high level. It's not just like, and we're seeing that now. And I think that's, you know, we were coming into that game wondering what kind of test that would be for for Brock Purdy mm-hmm. against the bet one of the best defenses, if not the best defense he'll see all year. And he has another yeah. another tough test coming Sunday in Cleveland. The discourse but, around the Cowboys' defense changing has been so funny. It's been very funny, but like, you know, Brock Purdy, huge test. Can he play better than he did against playoffs last year? Four touchdown passes with Christian McCaffrey neutralized. I neutralized. Not uh, having a huge game. Maybe it was just because George Kittle was back in action finally. Yeah, that was big. I called that, by the way. <laughs> FYI. We're do yeah, you were you were right. We're and I called a big for... Fred Warner game. No big deal. He was really good. But Save also for just to... getting destroyed on the Texas route oh, on the dude, third down t- before the touchdown. He was really good. Longest catch of the year by a tight end against the 49ers was that one. The uh, Dre Greenlaw was also outstanding. Really good player. Just destroying dude. personal foul on the first drive. But that's fine. I thought for sure he was going to get called for slamming the. Was it Tony Pollard? Yeah, way out of bounds and slammed him on his head. It's like that's a fa- that's a penalty. He's, <laughs> just, 
That's crazy. He is a a habitual line stepper, man. But didn't didn't bite him last night. I need I need to say this statistic on the podcast because I tweeted it and it did numbers. The 49ers have a plus 99 point differential right now. The 49ers in the second half have a plus 50 point differential. That's the fourth best point differential in the league. And then number five is the 49ers in the first half at plus 49. And then number six is the Chiefs <laughs> at plus 48. Yeah, man. The, the level to which, uh, whether they, the, like, that's the thing is, are they going to be this dominant all year? I don't, like, are they going to keep winning every game by an average of 20? Probably not. And there will be some close games here and they'll slip up and they'll lose one. And, you know, it, because that's just kind of how the NFL goes. But when you just talk about sustainability and, what are they doing right now that you don't envision them doing in 10 weeks? I don't see anything. Like I've tried to, like I said, I'm the person who is always skeptical of, of this kind of stuff. And I just don't have a good hole to poke in it where it's like, okay, well that, you know, that's not going to happen. That Joe Schmo receiver having back-to-back hundred yard games. Well, that's just not going to happen anymore. Like, no, it's just, it's a different guy every week. It's just decent to to very good performances. And it's just kind of a methodical thing at this point. I'm doing some math real quick. Flynn West in the YouTube chat uh, mentioned Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason last night, 13 snaps. He carried the ball 10 times, 69 yards and a touchdown. Pretty nice little game. Is uh is it crazy to you that Dak Prescott makes forty million dollars and Brock Purdy makes like nine hundred k? In the in the sense of if you brought somebody in who had never watched football before, and you showed him that game and you said, "Hey, which one of those guys makes forty million dollars?" Everybody, every single one of those people is going to pick Purdy. So from that standpoint, yes. But from the standpoint of understanding how the quarterback market works, no. Right. Right. I thought, man, I, I thought brought, or I thought Dak coming into the year, like had a pretty strong case to be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I, from, I, I cannot pick him to play well in a big spot or at least against the 49ers. Like I cannot, he might be a really good regular season quarterback overall and might be better than how he played last night, obviously. Mm-hmm. But even coming in, like there were, the, I don't know. I, I I don't want to say I'm out on Dak Prescott, but I might be out on Dak Prescott as being like a franchise lifting franchise quarterback. I'm putting a, I, I, yeah, yeah. But I'm waiting until the post Mike McCarthy era to make that decision. Because yeah. I can't decipher what's Dak and what's McCarthy. Because there were points last night where Dak was just not letting it rip. And it was like he either didn't trust the offense or there was nothing happening down the field. Or I don't I don't know. The game I, but maybe maybe it's him. Maybe it's just, hey, big spot, he's gonna crumble. But until I see him out from under Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett, I'm not gonna I thought Mike McCarthy I thought Mike McCarthy lost the game on the first drive in the second half. Thousand percent. It was twenty-one-seven. 
Yep. They were driving. They had a big completion to CeeDee Lamb over the middle on a crossing route against Traverius Ward. Um, Traverius Ward was like banged up and had to come out of the game. And it's third and, was it third and five, I think? Third and four. Third and four. They're in field goal range, but Traverius Ward is off the field. Um, Ambry Thomas is in the game. So the Niners corners are Isaiah Oliver, Ambry Thomas, and Diamador Lenore. I thought before the snap, I was like, oh, they have to take a shot here. Or they have to, they, they're going to pass the ball and probably have success mm-hmm. because you have mismatches, way more mismatches on the field at in this moment with Charvarius Ward off the field than you did at any other point in the game to that point. Mm-hmm. And he called a running play. A and shotgun for run. A shotgun run that went for a five-yard loss and settled for a field goal kick the field goal to make it 21-10 and from there I was like yeah this is Mike McCarthy's rap, awful like there's it no was... way there's no way you look at that 49ers defense you play them the whole game and then see Charvarius Ward leave the field and then do not attack them relentlessly until Charvarius Ward is back in the game call whatever play you have to get CeeDee Lamb matched up on Amory Thomas one-on-one and go to work a thousand percent and if that doesn't work go for it again thousand percent it was a shotgun inside handoff to their backup running back behind their backup center and it went for what a five-yard loss if kyle shanahan did that we'd talk about it for 45 minutes last night might be might like if mike mccarthy gets fired at any point like within the next calendar year or the coming off season this is the game you point to Mm mm-hmm the one thing that was interesting to me in, in leading up, and I know a lot of other people made this point, the Cowboys made a huge deal about this game. This was a huge mm-hmm. game for the Cowboys. This wasn't like, oh, this, you know, our schedule's been kind of tough. We traveled a lot. We're missing a lot of guys. It's like, no, this is this is a team that knocked us out of the playoffs the last two years. This is a super important game for us to establish that we are one of the best teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. And the Niners came out and whooped them 42 to 10. That is, I don't know if there's a bigger indictment of, of Mike McCarthy and who he is than what happened Sunday night. Jerry Jones. Who he is as a coach, I should say. Not, I'm sure he's a fine human, (laughs) but who he is as a coach. Jerry Jones said uh, before the game, quote, they are probably the most likely team to go win the Super Bowl." But in order for them to get there, they have to go by us, hopefully two times, if that's the way it all falls in the playoffs. And we're in the playoffs, of course. And then later said, you need the game to show you how you stack up against the best. Like, that's how they're reviewing this. And they got mollywopped. So do you think think Trey Lance is a double agent? Still with the... Still on the 49ers payroll? Yeah, I don't know what other explanation there is. <laughs> that was that see... was probably the dumbest the dumbest storyline going into the game that Trey Lance was somehow gonna help them. My favorite thing after that was everyone trying to find like Cowboys Niners connections and being like, is this gonna be the one? Somebody's like Javon Hargrave. He's played the Cowboys before. <laughs> What's he gonna tell him? Anthony Brown in the building, former Cowboys corner. Randy Gregory played for the Cowboys, and the Niners traded for him the Friday before they played. It makes you think. 
I just, yeah, I, I don't, you know, one of the, I, interesting I can't things... do, I can't do the storylines like that. Like, come on, man. We've, when has that ever happened? The only time it's ever happened was like John Gruden against when he was coaching the bucks against right. the Raiders in the super bowl. And it's and that's... much different if you're a head coach than a, and that's, and it's because Bill Callahan didn't change anything the Raiders were doing. Yeah. Same that's, calls, apparently. That's so nuts. <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. I don't have anything else. Niners are the best team in the league. I think they've they've rubber stamped that with the way they played. Yeah. Rock Purdy. I mean, I thought Brock Purdy was good, right? Even coming into the year. I was like, I think Brock Purdy's gonna be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock Purdy has surpassed my expectations and I think Maybe. like we just have to like if if we're going to try to try to watch the like I think you have to keep an open mind in terms of the way uh, just people in general like in terms of the way we look at quarterbacks if there's a lesson to be learned from this Brock Purdy thing it's that draft positioning could be completely overrated mm-hmm. and maybe greatness can come in a form that looks nothing like what we assume greatness to be mm-hmm. where it's like, maybe greatness can come in a six foot two, 200 and whatever pound quarterback who doesn't look like Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like it is entirely possible because the position is a it, playing quarterback is a skill. Yeah. It's like the yeah, best golfer the in the world itself. doesn't need to be seven feet tall and hit it 700 yards. There's still so much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hesitation with Brock Purdy, right? And there's a lot of people nationally, and, and you know, Dan Orlovsky, J.T. O'Sullivan, Kurt Warner. There's a lot of, like, former quarterbacks who are like, nah, this guy's good. Like, this guy's a baller. But then I think there's a lot of hesitation to, like, just come out and be like, hey, Brock Purdy's good at this. Because he was Mr. Irrelevant. He's the first Mr. Irrelevant to ever throw a pass in the NFL, much less start a game and much less win his first 10 starts, much less go to an NFC title game. So I think there's like a hesitation with it. <laughs> but if you just pick up exactly what Brock Purdy's doing and say Justin Fields is doing it, there's a collective, holy shit, he's a top five quarterback in the league right now moment. Because or pick, of... Or... or, or, or uh, Zach Wilson or uh, like pick another quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Like there would just be this, but because he was a seventh round pick, it's like, okay, well, this is all fake. This is all, this all doesn't count. Like, no, it does, man. It's it goes back there. to like the idea in 2021 of watching Justin Fields pro day, which looked amazing, right? Like running around throwing lasers all over the Ohio mm-hmm. state practice facility, like looking like he has every single skill you could possibly want in a quarterback. Mm-hmm. When you have that in the background and then you watch that guy play well, it confirms like what you believe to be true in terms of his talent. Whereas if you have a guy who like looks super ordinary physically and like the way Brock Purdy does, mm-hmm. doesn't have a great arm. Um, I do think he's a good athlete and, yeah, and yeah. can move around and throw off the run and escape pretty well and do all that. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no pro day where we're like, oh yeah, that looks sick. So that confirms what I'm seeing. Like that's that's not happening yeah. with with Brock Purdy. But you remember too, it wasn't like Drew Brees had like an amazing arm, mm-hmm. right? Like we we've seen 
Steve Young didn't have an amazing arm. Mm-hmm. So we've seen quarterbacks play at really high levels without incredible arms. So I think we just need to be open to the fact that like, just because there are so many laser armed, physically gifted quarterbacks playing at high levels in the league, doesn't mean that that's what it has to look like. And I think your Greg Maddox point you made earlier is a great one. Because Greg Maddox wasn't throwing 99. Nope. Yeah, Brock Purdy wins, let's say... uh, um, How do I say this without making it sound like I said I think it's going to happen? If Brock Purdy's career ends in, let's say, 20 years, and he wins five Super Bowls, nobody is going to go like, well, his supporting cast, though. Right, that's how that, well, right. That's that's what I was saying earlier about Joe Montana. We're not right. like, well, he had Bill Walsh and Jerry Rice. Was he really that good? Right. This is such a just in the moment conversation. Yeah. And like, is Brock pretty as good as Patrick Mahomes or or Justin Herbert or Josh? No, no, probably not. But dude, within this offense, there's not a lot of dudes playing as well as he is. And that's all that matters. Yep. Ultimately, like winning and production is all that matters. That's it. That's what Brock's doing. Yep. Anyways, 49ers are good. You heard it here. You know what wasn't good, though, real quick before we go? Yeah. So we've been doing daily fantasy sports with with prize picks. Mm. Yeah, super easy. Me. Not even playing against. It's just me. It's just me versus me, right? Not even playing like a bunch of players or pros and sharks and stuff. It's just like you pick two to six players. You pick more or less on their stat projections. And and you hopefully watch your, your winnings roll in. I did not do that. <clears throat> I had an epically bad prize picks night on Sunday, dude. Yeah, it hasn't been great. For, it hasn't I, been a great I, season for me. Let me go back through my notes. I here. accidentally, I totally by accident took George Kittle's less than yards right after, during the podcast. I'm like, hey, I think George Kittle's going to have a big game. And then I'm doing my prize picks and was like, guys, going to go less than less than his yards. But let's see, which, what, what else did I get wrong here? I had Dak Prescott less than 241 and a half passing yards, nailed it. But Brock Purdy, less than 241 and a half passing yards. Nope, 252. Brandon Ayuk, more than 55 and a half receiving yards. Nailed it. He had 58. Kittle, less than 41 and a half receiving yards. Nope, 57. Jake Ferguson, less than 26 and a half yards. Nope, 28. Tony Pollard and Christian McCaffrey, more than one and a half touchdowns. Nope, one. <laughs> a tough look. Tough look for me. Trey Greenlaw just destroyed Tony Pollard like 17 times in that game, I feel like. Um, yeah, I had Purdy for less than 241 and a half, obviously 252, like you said, did not hit. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, I had more than 66 and a half receiving yards. He had 49. That didn't hit. Mm. And I had Dak Prescott uh, less than 241 and a half. He had 153, like you did. and um, Or like you had him. And uh, so I hit. So I went one for three. So prize picks. We'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll get We'll get back. We'll, we'll daily fantasy this. that means we can do this daily we'll get back we'll get back on track for sure and you want to know the yeah. good news chris what's that price picks offers apple pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this mm-hmm. football season so if you're not already playing with us please go do that now go to prizepickscom slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to 100 again that's prizepickscom slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made Easy, so easy. Except the actual picks, that's kind of tough. Not we'll see. Agree. We'll Not see if uh, we'll see later in the week if Deshaun Watson will be playing. 
against yeah, the 49ers and whether or not we will pick the more than or less than yardage or completion or touchdown totals for him and the Browns or Dorian Thompson Robinson. Mm. I'm going, uh, I'm going to go less than on a number of number of categories. If he's, if he's starting, yeah, but we'll talk about Niners Browns later in the week. Um, it's good. Good to be back in the building. Good to be doing some, some big J journalism stuff. Love that for you, bro. Talk to the talk to the characters at play. Um, yeah, just good to good to like be in the mix. We like being in the mix. <laughs> just rubbing elbows, rubbing elbows, shaking hands, kissing babies, kissing babies, all that stuff. So it was it was vibey, man. Like Levi's was there Levi's? was a lot of <laughs> Levi's. <laughs> Levi's would like with you had Steve Young on the sideline, Bryant Young. Uh, Did you see Jerry, Jerry Rice. Rice? Yeah, he's always there. He looks, looks like, like he, he could still play. play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, BY legit looks like he could rush the passer for 10 snaps right now. Yeah, he's going to look like with the goatee. Could, yeah, I'm not messing with BY. I'm going to say BY will come on the pod. He might. We let, we love BY. Okay. Um, good dude by all accounts. Steve Young, quality human by all accounts. It was, uh, but no, it was, there was a lot of, um, a lot of star power on the sidelines before the game last night. Yeah. Playoff atmosphere. And, uh, I heard playoff atmosphere. I think Dak played like it. Ooh, sick burn. All right. Got with it, that, <laughs> uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you don't, if you're streaming with us on YouTube, uh, we very much appreciate you hanging out. Hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit the like button, all of those things. Listening on the pod uh, in podcast form on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen, Google Podcasts, a uh, five-star review is always appreciated. really supports us. And uh, yeah, if you guys if you guys want to check us out on YouTube and you haven't yet, please do it. Search Candlestick Chronicles Podcast. We are here and uh, we're not going anywhere. So if you want to see us in our in a visual form and our faces and all the cool stuff that Kyle has in the, the background in his office. Um, check us out. Shout out Stray Kids. The homies. Sure. Whatever those are. All right. We'll see you guys later. Um, later later in the week. Hey guys, All right. Okay. See you guys. <laughs>